The Miami Dolphins prospect spotlight series continues with Texas defensive tackle Moro Ojomo, who he is, where he fits, and where the Dolphins might be able to draft him to add him into the mix. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked on Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked on Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked on Dolphins, co-host of the Locked on NFL Scouting Podcast with Joe Marino, podcast dedicated to team building across the entirety of the NFL. I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today is Saturday, April 15th, 2023. We are... Two weeks away from day three of the 2023 NFL Draft, which is why we're continuing on this prospect spotlight journey that we are on exploring defensive tackles at this point in time, interior defensive linemen. Today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL general manager and managing your own football franchise, this game is definitely for you. To download the game, visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up in the app stores. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code LOCKEDON in all caps in the game store. It's been a journey the last couple of days. We did some non-prospect spotlight content. We did history of day two trades across the NFL across the last three seasons. We did mock draft of Palooza, which was featured in making trades down and and seeing what those draft classes could potentially look like. And we've continued working our way through uh, defensive tackles. It's it's been a tough stretch, I'll be honest. Uh, We did Mozzie Smith. We did Keanu Benton. I've since done Baylor's uh, Sakai Aika, LSU's Jaquelin Roy, Texas's Keandre Coburn, and Texas's Moro Ojomo. And we are doing one on Moro Ojomo, because this is the only one, in my mind, of those four players that should have a legitimate resume that could command a level of interest at the end of day two, if not on day two, early day three. And we'll, of course, do the math on how he stacks predictively against uh, the rest of the tackles uh, in section three of today's show. But we have to start by setting the table and talking about Moro Ojomo and who he is as a football player. Uh, He was born in Lagos, Nigeria, moved to California when he was seven, moved to Texas in seventh grade, uh, played at Katy High School, one of those Texas high school powerhouses, Um, went on to become a highly coveted recruit, stayed in the state of Texas, went to University of Texas, played for Longhorns, Uh, so redshirt senior. So this is a highly experienced player, 50 career games, 30 career starts, second team all Big 12 in 2022. And um, the production doesn't really jump off the screen at you, but it's solid, which I think is probably the one word that I would use to describe a Jomo in his resume in just about every way, shape, form, and facet, if I'm being honest. Jomo finished this year with career highs in every statistical category. Tackles, 32, sacks, three, tackles for loss, five and a half. And while those numbers might appear modest, one of the things that you need to know, based on the games that I watched, and you had a chance to watch them play against significant competition like Alabama. And Alabama was a fun game to watch because Jaquel and Roy played against 
Alabama as well. So you had a chance to hold him up directly against another player. Uh, of course, his teammate, Kendra Coburn. So three of the four defensive tackles we've watched in recent days got that evaluation window of how they played against the Bama interior trio. Ajomo frequently rotating in and out of the lineup. And I think that might not be the best thing for his production, but it is certainly an overlap with what your expectation is for the Dolphins, given the fact that they have Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, Raekwon Davis, to be determined on the interior defensive line. Emmanuel Logba, who can play 4-I to you know, base defensive end. Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, Andrew Van Ginkle, Malik Reed. That's kind of the ideology of these defenses. We want to roll deep, right? We have to roll deep. We want to be able to have fresh bodies whenever we need fresh bodies. So Texas, there'd be stretches of games where he'd be in for a series, and then no matter what happened, he would just automatically be out the next series, no questions asked, because of the rotation that Texas implemented. And across the games that I studied, uh, I saw nine or six frequent players on the interior. You had a Jomo who wore number 98. You had Coborn who wore number 99. You had number 90, number 93, number 45, and one more number who is not draft eligible and his name escapes me. So I'm not too worried about the production from the sense that this is a player who wasn't given a chance to play on an every down basis just based off the rotation of what Texas wanted to do. But here's where things do get interesting. The production won't jump off the screen at you. 6'2 and a half, 292 pounds. Okay, modest numbers. Now, I like 6'2 and a half because that's natural leverage that's built in your frame. But when you're 6'2 and a half and you're 34th percentile in height, but you're 88th percentile in arm length, 34 and a half inch arms, a lot of gap control, a lot of separation skills, a lot of ability to lock peak shed, a lot of opportunity to discard and deconstruct blocks. And of course, that's one of the premier qualities that we're looking for. And I'm looking at it through the lens of gap and a half. Control an area, be able to fall back off into the, the adjacent gap if the back tries to cut off your, your blocker. You saw that on tape. I think there's a lot of directly translatable reps for how Ajomo played on the front versus what you're expecting the Dolphins' defense is going to look like. And additionally, beyond that, I thought there was a nice presence in pass rush. Now, he didn't always necessarily have the best complementary pass rush, but you saw him on a number of occasions, specifically against Alabama, get hip to hip with guys really quickly and be able to press up the field. And if Bryce Young's not Bryce Young and is a less mobile player, you, you have an opportunity to get the quarterback on the ground. And of course, you could say, well, he didn't get the player on the ground. I get that. But if you don't have complimentary rushers around you to box the quarterback in, or if you get pinned inside when you're running a twist on one side, and Ajomo's at the three technique, and he gets immediate penetration in the B-gap, but the twist on the other side of the line gets walled inside, and it can't loop around, and Bryce Young can just freely flow to his right... It doesn't matter how quickly you beat your guy if there's an exit avenue that, that, that's that, that big for the quarterback, and you saw that on tape. So really promising player, and look, the rest of the athletic profile is really good too. 61st percentile in the 40-yard dash, uh, 5.04 seconds amongst interior defensive linemen since the year 1999 to come through the NFL Combine. 33-inch vertical jump is 88th percentile. 112-inch uh, broad jump is 86th percentile. 
29 bench press reps with 34 and a half inch arms, a 64th percentile with 88th percentile arm length. That's really, really impressive to have that kind of dynamic um, upper body strength. As a case in point, you can compare and contrast uh, Keandre Coborn, the other Texas interior defensive lineman that's in this class, much more of a nose tackle type build. He's 332 pounds versus 292 pounds, so he's 40 pounds heavier than Moro Ojomo. And he's got three inches less on his arms, 31 and a half versus 34 and a half. So he's 40 pounds heavier, three inches less on his arms. Surely you would think that player benches more, right? Because bench press, half of it is how far the bar has to go down. And the longer your arms are and the less stocky your build is, the further the bar has to travel on each press. And yet Keandre Coburn, at 332 pounds with 31 and a half inch arms, put 24 reps of 225 up on the bench press at the combine, where Ojomo, 40 pounds lighter, three inches longer in the arms, put up five more reps. It's a lot of strength, and you see it. You see it with how he manipulates it. And how he wins is what we're going to talk about next here on the show. But before we get there, today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. We have raved about this game, and for good reason. We're talking about the build-up to the draft. This is a critical team-building event for teams across the NFL. And you can put your own GM hat on with Ultimate Football GM, responsible for all of the critical components of creating a dynasty, hiring the right coaches and coordinators, balancing the budgets, negotiating salaries, setting ticket prices, making decisions with players in the draft, making decisions and negotiating with players in free agency, uh, trading players, injuries, the ups and downs of a season. It's all on you, all in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Football Jam is completely free and playable offline, so you can play on the go when you want to and when you want to, which is my favorite thing about it. Locked On Dolphins listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when they use the promo code Locked On in all caps in the game store. That's Locked On in all caps, so make sure to check it out today. To download the game, visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up in the app stores. And it's ultimate-gm.com, ultimate football GM, start your dynasty today. So Ojomo as a player was really a, a pleasant surprise because you, you just kind of look up the biography stuff and you see he's on the Texas roster at 6'2", 280, and you say, okay, kind of like probably expecting a four-eye, a base end and an odd front, teams that like to run bare fronts kind of what the Dolphins did, think of Emmanuel Agba type of player. And he's not as, he's not as explosive as Emmanuel Agba, but he's, I think he's more versatile than, than Agba from the sense that you're watching a Jomo and he's in a two-eye, which is inside shoulder of the defensive tackle. And he's in a three technique, and he's in a four-eye. And then he's looping, and, and you, you get him see, see him have the chance, kind of like Keanu Benton, now, he's not as big as Keanu Benton. He's not as dense as Keanu Benton. But he's really long. And these were the areas that, that I thought he scored the best at. And, and as a reminder, uh, the 10 traits that we're looking for on the interior defensive line are first-step explosiveness, block deconstruction skills, and football intelligence. Those are your, your three premier traits. And then you have pass rush ability, run defending, and versatility, motor, a.k.a. effort, functional strength, hand power, and flexibility. You can either grade a player in the way that I'm grading players for this exercise. You can grade them as elite, great, good, sufficient, or fail. 
you got five options, all with a decreasing amount of the maximum amount of points that, that are eligible to be given uh, for the players. He scored good in just about 80%. I'm going to do real quick math, which is never a good thing. Uh, I'll, I'll acknowledge his best quality that I graded him on was his motor. I thought there was great effort. I thought there was great scrape and flow down the line. Uh, I thought while he was engaged with blockers, he showcased a lot of life to try to battle through contact and uncover and deconstruct blocks and get a hold of players uh, horizontally and laterally to challenge them. He didn't have to be immediately in front of you uh, to wrap you up and make a play. And you saw good flow and good willingness to get down the field. Traits that he scored good in. Block deconstruction and football intelligence, so two or three premier traits. Pass rush ability, run defending, versatility. We already acknowledge he scored great motor. Functional strength, hand power, and flexibility. This is a real, really well-rounded player. Really well-rounded player. The only thing that that leaves... And lo and behold, my math was right. 80%, 8 of 10 traits he scored good in. That I graded him sufficient was his first step explosiveness. And I think that shows up when you look at his um, NFL Combine measures. He was 61st percentile in the 40-yard dash, but he was 37th percentile in the 10-yard split. And the 10-yard split is the first 10 yards of your 40, a.k.a. when you're on the line of scrimmage, how well do you get off the ball? So his flying 20 and his 40-yard dash was much more statistically impressive compared to other defensive interior defensive linemen than what he offered uh, inside the first 10 yards. But he's smart. He's long. He's got heavy hands. He's versatile. They moved him everywhere from A-gap to C-gap. I thought he showcased better as a pass rusher than what the sack numbers illustrated. This is a really dense frame. Now, the challenge with evaluating Moro Ojomo, for the Dolphins specifically, is you're ideally looking for a player to supplant Raekwon Davis or push or challenge Raekwon Davis. And Ojomo at 6'2", 292 pounds, is probably not going to be that player. Now, that's not to say it eliminates him from candidacy with the Dolphins, if the Dolphins really feel like he's a scheme fit, and if they're sitting here looking at Christian Wilkins, and they're sitting here looking at Zach Sealer, and they ask themselves to have an honest conversation about what the long-term path is for both of those players to remain on the team. And I know Miami Herald's Barry Jackson put out a, a report that Wilkins and the Dolphins exchanged numbers, and there was a gap, but there was optimism that a deal would get done uh, in the near future for a contract extension for Wilkins. And that makes sense because paying Wilkins saves you money this year if you choose to do it. Paying Sealer costs you cap space because of how cheap he is on the roster. It's like three and a quarter million dollars, three and a half million dollars is what Zach Sealer's owed this year. If you give him a raise to what he's due, in all likelihood, you are talking about increasing his salary cap hit. So I don't know how feasible before June 1st the contract extension with Zach Sealer would be. And then, of course, the Dolphins have to ask, what is the price of Zach Sealer? How feasible is it to keep him here long-term? Or is it better to keep him here for 2023 
and figure it out after the season and not do an extension. But if they don't feel optimistic about the opportunity to keep Sealer in the fray long-term, I certainly think that opens the door for a player like Ajomo to make sense for the Dolphins because his skill set has a lot of translatability to what you are expecting this Dolphins front is going to ask of their defensive linemen, which as a reminder is we're going to play in light boxes. You need to be able to account for a gap and a half in the run game. You have your primary area of responsibility, but you need to work back across the face and deconstruct the block of the defensive of the offensive lineman if the back cuts back against the grain. But we're looking to spill runs to the perimeter and let our safeties run from depth and be heat-seeking missiles and attack the football and tackle and be the weapons of the defense. But you got to be able to clean up the mess in the front and not let them get out the back door clean, and now you have a one-on-one situation where your safety has to tackle or else it's going to be an explosive front. He's capable of doing all of that, and you saw that at times. And then it was fun with the Alabama game to contrast what it looked like when he was on the field versus what success looked like running the ball when he was off the field. I don't think it's a coincidence that the two biggest plays that that Alabama had on the ground were plays in which Ajomo was not on the field. Now, as far as an evaluation, we've largely check the box. The question now is the evaluation. How do you evaluate? How do you value, I should say? Tomato, 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 tomato. (laughs) How do you value this player? Which is a great question because there's a perceived glass ceiling as far as the production. There is a perceived glass ceiling with a rotational defensive lineman but he's a big-bodied player who I think has potential to be a more productive pro than he was a college player. And that's not an easy riddle to solve. And that's what we're going to finish with as we bring this episode of Locked on Dolphins to a close. We're going to talk about how he values in this draft class, especially relative to some of the other defensive linemen that are scheduled to be picked early uh, in the first two days. For the Dolphins specifically, I like this player quite a bit. Uh, he graded out, I don't want to say comparably well. He graded out comparatively well to Keanu Benton. Now, Keanu Benton is a more, uh, I think, fluid player. I think Benton is moderately more versatile. I have functional strength as a nod to Benton because he's bigger and denser. I think versatility is a nod to Benton because he can live in the A-gaps, whereas Ajomo is largely in the A-gaps on passing downs. And I think Benton has a little bit more pop and a little bit more bend. So that's enough of a tip for me that if I'm drafting Ajomo, he is going to be a tier further down than Keanu Benton. Now, stacking him up versus the the defensive tackles that we know, Jalen Carter and Brian Brzee are largely considered to be the top two names you can include Pittsburgh's Kalijah Kansi. Here's what I'll say about Kalijah Kansi. I hope he goes within the first... I hope he's the second defensive tackle draft off the board, and I don't want to say he goes as soon as possible because then it it increases the probability that there's going to be a run on interior defensive linemen before the Dolphins get a chance to, if that's the way that they want to go. 
but I will not lose an ounce of excitement if Kalijah Kansi is off the board in front of the Dolphins. That's a pick at that position that I just don't think is a fit for Miami because, yes, the explosiveness is there, but you have to be able to play gap plus and Kansi with his arm length at 31 and a half inches and his block deconstruction skills, which at 280 pounds with that lack of length is troublesome. It's not a fit. So the more kinds of he's not a fit, but he's going to go and it's going to check the box for somebody else at this position that we can get, the better. Mozzie Smith is the top-rated interior defensive lineman that we have done a prospect spotlight on because I think he fills the A-gap responsibilities and I think he's he can be a dominant player at it. Keanu Benton, I think, has a little bit more growth and polish and technical skills that are required but he can also fill that role. Ajomo right now is the next guy on the board for players that I think have any level of possibility of getting to 51. And I expect Ajomo will get to 51 and well past 51. I think this is a trade down from 84, get an early fourth round pick. So if you move from 84 to the tail end of the third, but you add an extra fourth round pick, this is the kind of stratosphere in which I would be receptive to taking a Jomo. Kind of reminds me of uh, Perion Winfrey from a couple of years ago who was at Oklahoma, and he played on the nose, uh, but from a build perspective and a movement skills perspective, you could see there's some disruptive quality here, and there's a little bit of projection that has to take place, and Winfrey went in the fourth round of the Browns, and hasn't really latched on yet, but, but a Jomo actually, I think, plays a more translatable role to what he will actually be asked to do in the NFL as compared to Winfrey, who played on the nose at Oklahoma. But I think that's a good example of like Big 12 Conference, this kind of build on the defensive line, late three, early four stratosphere. Um, I'd be surprised if he was the pick at 84, but if the Dolphins find themselves in a position where they do achieve that stated and suggested goal of adding more picks... They haven't stated it, but it's been stated in reports. Then Ajomo's the kind of player I would want to play ball on uh, late three, early four. But not with the top two pick. Not in my mind. We're running low on defensive tackles that excite me. We still have to do Gervon Dexter from Florida, Carl Brooks from Bowling Green, and Zach Pickens from South Carolina. Those are the last three interior defensive linemen that we have to do. Uh, which means starting early next week, we'll do linebackers. We do linebackers, offensive guards, some miscellaneous players like Jonathan Mingo will be in that mix. I know a lot of people are really interested in him. I'll probably do Sidney Brown, uh, the safety from Illinois, in the event that he falls to 51. Um, of course, we have Brandon Jones as an expiring contract. Just Sean uh, Elliott's on a one-year deal, so there's some fluidity there at safety as well. So we got some good stuff coming. You're going to want to make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. It's your team every day. We appreciate all of you who make us part of your day, daily routine, the Everyday Club. I see you guys. I see you guys in the downloads. I see you guys in the YouTube comments. I see you guys liking the videos because uh, you can find us on video on YouTube, of course, or you can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Wherever you find us, I appreciate you making us part of your day. Fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. I'll be back again soon with another prospect spotlight as we continue to get ready for the 2023 NFL Draft.